welcome to Pod 49, a fan discussion and conversation show about a show that used to be on the AMC Network and has just wrapped up its second season. But we're not here really in a very joyful mood, as you might have picked up uh, from my tone and from my little announcement there. Right now, Lodge 49 is without a home, no guaranteed season three. We are left of the dud from the door into the parking lot. Cliffhanger, which I think I said at the time I would be very frustrated by if we needed to live with that as uh, an end. And here we are. So what was some instant reactions that you guys had? Maybe, you know, when did you hear? What was your... What was the the white hot flash of response that went through you? Uh, well, I I was a little I guess I was kind of shocked because I wasn't expecting it to be announced so soon. I, that's just my own ignorance of how this all that stuff works. But I uh, for some reason just thought that there was going to be a little bit more of a grace period, I guess, between like this awesome finale and then that announcement. So I was like sort of shocked. I, I don't know. I guess I was hoping to have more time to digest it because we'd always talked about the idea that it was it might not get a season three, and I think I had basically fooled myself into thinking it was. So I was a little bit um, off guard when I when I heard it, and just was and, and then just extremely bummed. I just was extremely bummed. You know, we've done so much. You know, with the podcast it was so much fun and stuff, but then it was like, oh. There isn't a reason now, and I mean, I guess we'll see, and hopefully it gets picked up. But that that was that that was I was just really really bummed about you, Jim. Yeah, uh, tears and gnashing of teeth and whatnot. So I wasn't really surprised. I think I had sort of prepared myself that oh, I bet it's going to get canceled. But at the same time, I'm still kind of in denial. I don't know how that makes sense; those two things together. But I'm still just sort of like, oh yeah, of course, somehow, someone. And I know they are trying, and it could happen. But right, right now I'm just like, oh, it's definitely going to be more of it. Season three, you know, somewhere. I still feel that way, too. Yeah. So otherwise, you know, we could turn it into a podcast about like, hey, remember that show Lodge 49? Like, let's talk about <laughs> it. Wasn't it awesome? <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe we should we should we should do uh, the podcast should be just shows that had two seasons. <laughs> that should be the theme of the yeah. podcast going forward. My wife, Mary, was in the next room, and she was like, oh, no, uh, Chris, I have some bad news. And she was like, I was like, wait, what? And, like, the tone in her voice wasn't like, you know, death and family. Or fr- it wasn't that serious, but it, it was also, like, genuinely sad. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? And she's like, from the other room, Lodge 49 canceled. And I think I was, like, nose deep in the cat litter or something. <laughs> you know, it was like, or, like, you know, like, rinsing recyclables or some crap. So I was like, ugh, really? Like, I'm sitting here, like, inhaling, you know, litter dust. And I was just like, for, for fuck's sake. And I was just like, really? Come on. God damn it. So, yeah, I w- it was definitely like, what? Yeah. I-, I agree with, I-, I think I was more on Bart's team in terms of having talked myself into that it was going to, you know, I famously had the, the three seasons and done. Uh, which I have a little bit of an amendment to that a little later on. Yeah, you had your whole um, thesis about how they wouldn't want to end it on a cliffhanger because of being able to sell a more complete story. Yeah, yeah, which I still think is, which obviously did not turn out to be part of AMC's calculus, 
but I still think is it's it's in the column. It's still a point four in the column that somebody else picks it up. So I still think it's it's in its it's in its favor. But I don't know. I was and then I was like, it was it was quick. But my alternative take on the quickness of it was that maybe it was AMC doing the show a favor because if they kind of cut it when there was kind of like a buzz and a high around the end of season two, it may it might have been its best chance to come on with another network. And I think AMC is supportive of that. Like those first couple articles wouldn't have said actively shopping if they didn't have AMC's permission. So it's almost like when a sports team lets a player, you know, like it's like mutually leave or something like that. So like they kind of get cut. It's a good thing they cut the guy early so he had time to catch on with somewhere else. So I kind of think that ended up being a little bit of a positive. I don't know if it's planned or not, but or my own positive spin on why. Because it was like it was like you're right, Bart. It was like season finale. Eight days later, maybe seven, nine, canceled. Yeah, they really shit on the parade. I mean, I, I guess. I don't know. I guess I just really did think that I could just kind of soak it up the season and kind of enjoy it for a little while, and then there would be like a couple months or something, you know. Well, also, we had just talked to Atkins, I think, that same day, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it was and the so same day. We were kind of talking with him about, yeah, the possibility of another season, if, and if he'd be, be able to find a way to get back on, even though he's also doing his, his other projects, his other show now. And so just having had that conversation, and it was so great, you know, getting to talk to him and hearing about his experiences on the show and then just right, boom, oh. Different networks and handle things differently in terms of, like, when they make those announcements. HBO is kind of famous for, like, the, the new episode will drop of the new season and they'll announce it's coming back the next season. They usually do, like, they, by the second episode, they, HBO loves to do that. The networks have their own timing, the broadcast networks, because it's more choreographed to the ad buy season and a whole bunch of like industry stuff but um but imagine here's the thing here's what had me hopeful if they cancel it in like march then it's clear there's no coming back right like to so while everyone's lathered up and it's like gaining all this critical praise like it was like immediately into the stories around that so i'm hoping that the, that that actually boosts its chances for another network get, picked it up because if it's like in the dead of winter and it gets canceled on like a press release from AMC, then it's definitely dead. Right. And right now they may be able to hang on to most of the actors, you know, if someone picks it up very soon, otherwise people are probably going to have to be released out of contracts and go find other jobs for themselves. Right. That's the big, so if you're doing a ledger on (laughs) whether it's going to get picked up or not, or, the longer it drags out, that's the number one issue. I think Sonia Cassidy just signed on like some development deal, maybe like a pilot deal. I don't know something. Um, you just met, mentioned Atkins, Wyatt Russell. I think has other obviously has other projects in the hopper. You know, we talked about the character actors. Those that you know those those people work. So like they can't. Not everyone can sit around. So. The longer it drags out now without getting picked up and, you know, they lose a couple actors or they it's hard to reassemble, that's when it's going to get bleak. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, because they all make commitments. Wouldn't they just sort of, uh, if they got picked up, then they could just kind of push back when they would start filming, right? So they could get within that schedule probably? Yeah, you would I hope- mean, some people are booked longer out, I guess. Yeah, there's ways to make it work, I think. And yes, it may be, we might not, let's say it's signed, let's say it does get, re- we may not see it again for like 18 months or something like that, you know? 
Now, let's say someone does pick it up. They do they have to purchase it from AMC? Does or they have to like at some point purchase the first two seasons, the rights to the first two seasons? That's where I think it's a positive sign where you haven't seen AMC be a jerk about this because no deal is going to be without those first two seasons. So. Um, there's and there's some kind of like buyout its contract type of thing, and that's why some networks will say no. I mean, we still plan to monetize these two seasons or have it, and you know why would we let it out? So to me, the story so quickly by like paragraph two and three of every cancellation story was that they were shopping it to another networks. That means AMC, I think, is being very cooperative in in allowing that to happen, which would mean like greasing the skids for all of like the full rights, probably not asking a ton, not standing in the way of blocking it to move, which they could. Right? They could just sit on it. It's just also weird that if you were going to be that cool and you did recognize its potential, why you wouldn't also just then keep it. I don't know. Some kind of bottom line money calculation. It's an algorithm. That's how they decide now. <laughs> <laughs> I unfortunately think it's more... Don't blame hu- me. Blame the algorithm. I think it's more human than that, though, actually. I think it's just like you never know what power struggle. Like There's different, you know, in corporate, you know, and who knows? I think, you know, Jim and Peter told us a little bit that, like, you know, about AMC having a brand and that this always felt a little bit outside of its brand. Even it's more, mm-hmm. you know, when when Better Call Saul's the light show on your network. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> so they, they kind of hinted at, at that. Um, and it was, you never, you know, so they, I think you can definitely see AMC going hard on the horror. They just, they just, uh, Renew that Eli Roth horror analogy series and that whatever I'm babbling now, but his new show AMC and the Terror and I think obviously with the Walking Dead I think they're just like decided like light or comedy or things other than like the horror genre just are not you know where they're going to be at. Mm. Walking Dead is still on. Yeah, and Fear the Walking Dead. Yeah. Are you watching? And Talking Dead. No. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I didn't know if I'd be stepping on those toes again, but no, no. <laughs> I, I, I was out on that like four or five seasons ago. It yeah, was good me when too. It was, yeah, it was good when it was good, but it got bad quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was gonna say, you know, I don't know if you guys have been looking around at some, you know, articles, or I mean, I know you're both on Twitter, and just in terms of kind of what's being done and what's being talked about, and and uh, the response of you know, people involved with the show and, and trying to find another home. I was just looking at this article on IndieWire, and I just wanted to say one thing I thought was funny from here. They have a quote from Paul Giamatti saying, uh, talking about that dumpling eating contest, and he said, I live to eat as much as I possibly can on camera. America needs to see me eat as much as possible. <laughs> I like that. Uh, and I agree. I think that's true. We do. We do need that. He, uh, you know, that was almost as gross as the scene in Sideways when he just guzzles down the spit bucket. Yeah. You guys remember that? <laughs> totally. He said, did you hear, I think maybe it's in that article, Jim, actually, that IndieWire article, but, um, which is, that that's a little... Uh, Bullet point for hope, that IndieWire article. It's got some good information on there. That makes you feel like mm-hmm. it's, conversations are active somewhere. One, I think it was in that IndieWire article or somewhere, Paul Giamatti actually said that this was the fav- his favorite character he's ever played, or he's having the most fun of any character he's ever, he's ever played. And somebody is going to want to be in the Paul Giamatti business. 
I just mm-hmm. think, you know, and I, that to me is one of the major, and it seems like he's very motivated. I think he's driving the ship in terms of getting it saved. And I don't mean like from like bullshitty hashtag stuff, although love my hashtag people. We're going to give that a shout out later. But I'm saying like, you know, in the meetings, you know, like actually like mm-hmm. behind the scenes, I think he, you know, can he bully pulpit this into a third season? I think. Paul Giamatti's got enough clout maybe to get it somewhere, and you can tell he's being pretty active. Yeah. Uh, do you think he nudged some of those famous endorsements? I mean, I was kind of shocked to see that Tom... I mean, shocked and not shocked, because the show is is so unique and fun. Um, that like, But it would have uh, fans like Tom Hanks and uh, Russell Crowe. I just thought I just kind of chuckled when I saw that because there's a lot of people who like, well, obviously there's Pat Oswalt who talks about it all the time. Um, but there's, you know, people who've been making comments and then all of a sudden it just, you know, it's out of the woodwork come these huge Hollywood stars. Um, you think he's, uh, like asking them or I mean, they, I don't know. What do you think of those? I think he's definitely behind that. Yeah. Oh. So do they watch the show? Um, That's a question. Or they're just like, we love him, and so we're going to like support this thing that we don't necessarily know that much about, but we're, we just, I don't know. Who knows? I'm, I'm sure it's good. I'm sure it's good. <laughs> right. It's Paul. It's Paul. It's Paul. <laughs> yeah, I think some of them, I think those folks are doing them a favor. But it's interesting. Did you see that the, um, the woman, I'm sorry, I don't have her name at the top of my uh, fingertips here, but the woman that plays Jerry on Secession, she did one that was just like, save Watch 49, whatever. And then like, Five or six days later, she went and was like, oh, I actually, I'm like four or five episodes in. This is actually really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so there's a little bit of the, uh, the veil is lifted, I guess, on that one. But I imagine. Saying the quiet part loud. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's crazy. This show has insane support at that level. Like, the top critics, like a bu- like you know, like when you see someone like Patton Oswalt or Amy Schumer, there's a bunch of those level celebrities that that have been sort of throwing their name out uh, out there. Eilat Wildman and Michael Chabon, like when they say stuff, like you can tell they watch it. There's like you can tell the ones that are just like you right. know, love Paul hashtag Save Lodge Forty Nine, and then like the Amy Schumer, which is like I need this show, right. I don't have to give my brother a shout out. Did you? But Jimmy probably didn't see this. But did you see <laughs> my brother adding Amy Schumer on hers? He's a love you boo. <laughs> he's like, no, I, I missed that. He's like, yo, Amy, I love that you love it. You know, my my bro does the podcast. You should check it out if you want a shoulder to cry on. Love you, boo. <laughs> <laughs> My brother is like he. I'm like you have never even watched it. He's like I know. I just want to be supporting. <laughs> yeah, nice. He's so a podcast ridiculous. guy too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I stole part of the. I stole when he started doing his George Mason basketball podcast. No one else did it. Did it, and now they're they're big time. So I was like, oh. you got to find your you got to find your lane. So yeah. thanks AMC for ripping our lane out from under us. Um, <laughs> yeah, can right, we just, we just... Let, let's talk personal for a minute. This sucks for us. I know. Yeah. We were having so much fun doing this podcast. Um, I mean, there's a lot of I, cast, people in the cast that we can still interview, even if, like, the show ends and they move on to other things in their career. We can just be like, I know it's been a year, but we really still want to talk to you about Lodge <laughs> 49, your character you played, and just, like, 
what kind of fun you had behind the scenes with the other actors. Yeah. Yeah, we had, yeah, we, st- we still had some unfinished business. I mean, if the show hadn't, if they hadn't even announced it being canceled as quickly as they did, then I don't know. Yeah, I, I really felt like I lost all my fire for it. Um, I mean, I, I'm, you know, we can still do some, but. Uh, yeah, and also yeah. just, yeah, we're keeping hope alive. Hashtag save Lodge 49. Yeah. Uh, but either way, like, yeah, this has been great. And I've learned a lot, and I've, yeah, it's been a really good experience doing this with you guys. So I hope that no matter what happens, that we keep podcasting in one way or another. Hopefully, it'll be Pod Forty Nine. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm in, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to even yeah. uh, have the post mortem yet. Yeah, it's pissing me yeah, off. Yeah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine something else. I'm sort of married to it. All right, to do it, to do it for us, Hulu, Amazon, et cetera, et cetera. So <laughs> let's uh, let, we we get a, we'll do a couple things here. Um, one, let's make some let's see what doors are opening. Let's talk about let's make some predictions about what we think will happen, and then we'll talk a little bit about you know where the hashtag save pod forty nine. Sorry, I I do that a lot. Save lodge forty nine. <laughs> Yeah. But also save it's pod a 49. double dip. Yeah. It's a win win. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Picture the uh, dud uh, animated gif there. It's a win win. Um, <laughs> so save all of them, goddammit. But then we'll talk a little bit about how you can do that. And then we've got some great fan feedback, rants, love letters, et cetera, et cetera. So, Jim, what do you think is going to happen? Do you have a prediction? Uh, sure. Hulu. Who will pick it up? There'll be two more seasons, they'll be even better than the first two. Yeah, that's what's killer, right? It, like, season one is so good, and season two is exponentially better than season one. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's unheard of. And, you know, I th- think you're right, Chris. If it had gotten picked up for AMC, it would have been one more season and then done, which might have been fine. Um, I'm sure it would have been great. But if it does get picked up by someone else, I mean, he, he mentioned going, like, you know, four or five seasons. It could go the whole way then, right? That's a really interesting point because I've been thinking about that as well. And you almost wonder, did they like pull the big balls move where they said, we don't, if we can only come back for one, we'd rather get the freedom to shop it somewhere else? Because Mm. I would guess no. I would say you always want the guarantee and then go from there. I mean, whatever, right? I I don't, not that I'm in the TV business. (laughs) I just, because. They, they were very insistent with us that they had... Because we asked that question, and we talked about that topic, and they were very adamant. They think they had multiple seasons. And then there was that Newsweek article where they were talking about, like, having three, four more seasons and doing that, you know, we haven't done... I can't remember what it was, Earth or whatever. Earth and... Yeah. yeah. So... The elements. Whenever they got asked, they always talked about multiple seasons. I wondered if they... I wondered if they bargained for their free agent status. Mm. Hmm. I mean... That would be cool if they did, but I, I think I'm leaning with Jim here. I think usually you would just, I, I mean, I think you would take just say, yeah, we'll take the third season and then hopefully, you, you know, and it, and it seems like it's gaining a lot more popularity and fandom. And so like over the course between seasons two and three, you get, everybody gets a chance to stream it and watch it and get caught up. And then there's more of a buzz going into three. And then if it's, if it picks up momentum during three, well, then they'll probably give it a fourth. You know, I I would think it would be easier to stay at home and try to continue doing it than to than to throw your balls on the table like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Nah, that's it. 
that I would probably agree with you. I, I, I was just like, wow, I wonder if they just said we're taking our toys and going home if we can't get the mm-hmm. creative runway that we need. That would be... If it does get picked up, they should at least they should at least say that as their narrative, even if that wasn't <laughs> the case. <laughs> so yeah, that's what we did. Yeah, I I would predict. I guess the only prediction I'm going to make. I mean, I I want it to get picked up, obviously, but I guess if I had to make a prediction, I would say that I bet um, Jim Gavin and Peter Ako will work together again. Ooh, um, that's a left field prediction. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean. I mean, I guess regardless of the commercial success, I think it's also been pretty evident that they had a lot of like success on the set. You know, they're a good pairing. They're a good matchup. Mm-hmm. So there's always going to be another uh, network who's a little bit more up and coming that will say, well, we thought the show was fantastic and we can't get the rights to it or something, let's say, but would you, want, would you be interested in creating something else? And then, you know, look at the band back together. You know what I mean? And maybe it would be a totally new story, but I mean... I mean, wouldn't you be excited for that? I mean, even even if Lodge yeah. 49 does end after two seasons, the concept that they'll create more TV in the future is still pretty exciting to me. So, I, you know, I'm down for whatever they come up with, but I'm sure it'll be great. Yeah. Yeah, that is... I mean, obviously, uh, Peter Orko was a longtime TV veteran, and Gavin was kind of a, you know... What did he say? He was, like, one step away from... He was applying for like just like copywriting jobs or something in his, our interview with him. So, did this jumpstart his career, especially? And then you know, with that team up with Peter Orko, who kind of obviously knows the business. Orko, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, obviously knows it well. That's a good. That's a good point. I, I think Hulu makes the most sense on a number on a number of reasons. So. Like they already have it. They already have season one on there for one thing. But also, they know there's how other it does. shows that yeah, there's other shows on there that I feel like not there's nothing really with a similar sensibility Lodge, Lodge Forty Nine, but there's things that are kind of cerebral and have some upbeat quality to them. I don't know. The thing that made me nervous about Hulu, which I think obviously makes the most sense, is they got merged with FX this week. I don't know if you oh. saw that TV news. So, and yeah. FX is um, one great TV network. Yeah, got great shows. John Landgraf is like one of the top creative executives in television. But, and he's now getting more control over Hulu. But that means they so and they just announced all these new shows. So I'm almost like uh, if they're like so they've been spending the last like six months negotiating and putting together this like FX moving into Hulu and basically merging I don't know if they have time to pick up someone else's show so that that sure. that made me a little bit nervous I was like ugh, uh, I don't like that so uh, it, yeah it, I didn't know that yeah and also that might if you knew you were doing that that would be a time to announce it because they announced all these plans going forward for like the next year year and a half so mm-hmm. that took a little wind out of my Hulu predictions but I don't know. There's so many streaming networks right now and different outlets that someone's got to give the this, this show a chance. I think it did. It was crazy. It peaked. It peaked right at, like, its attention and energy was starting to go through the roof. And now you can see it in the sort of Save Lodge 49. It, it, 
it had somewhere to go into that. So it just sort of rolled over into that kind of energy. <clears throat> so what about uh, Amazon, Netflix? What about that kind of, what do you think of that? Amazon is interesting because they also have been running it, obviously. So they have, they've got some their own internal numbers probably to see if they think that there's a big enough audience for what they need to do. Amazon hasn't, you know, they obviously have hits like Marvelous Miss Maisel and, you know, I'm not saying they haven't been without their shows, but they also haven't, they've stumbled on a bunch of stuff and with Disney and Apple and blah, 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 they've, they've fallen back a little bit further in the pack. So a little bit of something that's beloved, has a built-in fan base, et cetera, might be an interesting move for them. I think my negativity towards Hulu after the FX news um, makes Amazon my my number two. But then I say the number three option is a left field choice, like even something dumb like Facebook streaming or YouTube. You know, that's actually, it was like, what if YouTube did it like they did that Karate Kid thing? What was that, whatever that Karate Kid show people liked was called? Um, that was straight to YouTube. I could see, YouTube might be a dark horse too. Anybody picking it up would be great, but um, yeah, certainly... I don't know. I, I, I personally would prefer YouTube to, to Amazon. Oh, well. They're, about, they're both evil. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who can cleanse a little corner of their soul by picking up Lodge 49? Come on, do it. <laughs> Scrub the, the quadrant L42 on the, the right side. Anyway, so the, the energy in Save Lodge 49 has been super exciting. You can follow it on Twitter, it's on Facebook, it's all over the place. We talked about the celebrities. But the one really, people have been doing insane fan art. Bart, you've probably seen some of this, right? Jim, you may not have seen yeah. it. I've seen, I have, I've seen some, you've seen seen some of it. Yeah, the fandom has seemed to explode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jeff Ritzman is his name, right? The guy who does all the posters, those amazing posters. But then he also um, builds things. So I'm trying to, like, wrap my head around what kind of, like, arts he works in. It seems like he's uh, does a ton. You know, there was, like, a box he made, and then I think there was also something with fabric. And, of course, then there's those uh, posters, which, you know, I, I don't know. I assume are some sort of graphic um, program that he manipulates very well. But I, I don't know. I always intrigued by people who have uh, multiple talents and different, um, you know, textures and, and uh, mediums. I guess. But um, yeah, there's that, and there's people doing drawings too. Yeah, the drawings of the characters and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it's all very sweet. Um, yeah, it seems like a yeah, like a I don't know, like a very kind of artistic fan base, you know. Yeah, and a couple of people have said, especially people that have um, worked on the show, I've been noticing, have really kind of been starting to call, like, this whole, like, community that's sprung up around the show, the True Lodge. If you, that, that's been kind mm-hmm. of a, a fun meme, you know? It was like, wow, we kind of found the the, the True Lodge has been discovered here, and, like, uh, you know, all these people are being activated, and the art, and the creativity. So that has been super fun and exciting to see. And I'm sure, like, all the other shows... You know, like uh, the Expanse or Lucifer, or these other shows that have that people loved and it actually did end up getting picked up. So I use positive examples there. Had similar fan bases, so I understand that we're in our own echo chamber or whatever. We see what we want to see, but it has been incredible to see the outpouring of creativity. And in fact, 
uh, Jim, that IndieWire article that you referenced even has a section in the article about the reaction of the fan base. So, like, um, I think it's, you know, it's a little later in that, that article, but it talks about, like, this outpouring of, of uh, fan love and creativity. So it's being noticed somewhere. Yeah. So a couple things you can do if, I think probably on Instagram or Twitter, be on the hashtag SaveLodge49, hashtag whatever you do. We've been doing some fun stuff on Twitter, just jumping into promoted tweets and being in, you know, throwing a hashtag in, you know, find one annoying place or find one trending hashtag uh, to, to comment on. That's been sort of fun. Uh, you know, I noticed it was National Donut Day last week and threw some stuff out there, you know, just like, just, uh, chumming the waters for the uh, lodgehead sharks. Uh, that's been totally fun. So we'll see. I, I think it helps. You know, who knows? But it really is going to matter. Paul Giamatti, if you're listening, you know, you got to get that elevator pitch down. You know, you got to go you're, You got to go full Mets um, and get this show into a new home. Yeah, bust your head through some walls and yes. windows. <laughs> <laughs> um, a little bit of show notes. Um, we're going to come back with another show here probably in a week or two where we start to really debrief season two, just kind of put all this other stuff to the side and really jump back into the text, as it were, um, and do. And we also probably will do a couple more interviews if we it can arrange them. It's a little bit, Bart's right, it's a little bit less energizing when when everyone's sad and not sure if the show's coming back. But But there's a few others that we're following and that we might get. But we also asked for some fan feedback, uh, fan of the podcast. So this is a hashtag save pod 49, folks. And we got one written and three, including Jeff Richman, actually. So the artist, he's one of our rants. Um, and, and then two other podcast hosts. So, and then Jim, you had one to read. Why don't you read those, and I'll give a little bit more detail about who you're going to hear next. Okay, so I'm going to do my best to do this justice. Uh, it was sent to us by Val Hatcher, who is at Hatcher Val on Twitter. And what she said was that a rant felt like the wrong response. So she said, here's a rant that isn't a rant. And starts out, I think this is a love letter. All right. And here's what Val says. I live in the real world and I live in Los Angeles. And these are sometimes the same thing and sometimes not. Because of where I live, I get that all TV comes and goes and the process is kind of an abattoir. I guess most of the marketing had just been on AMC between other AMC shows and nowhere else, so I missed it. I'd stopped watching AMC shows a while ago, not because they aren't good or great, but because so many of them are about the evil that men do, or the pursuit of power, or whatever. I worked in TV, and I may do it again someday. I fell out of love with TV somewhere along the way. I think part of that fall was because so much TV feels cynical at heart, and honestly, I'm tired. I found Lodge 49 because my husband saw a tweet from Paul F. Tompkins, and in this house, we love PFT. We binged it all in a few days, and the show was magical. It didn't feel like anything else. It didn't feel cynical, but it didn't feel saccharine. It just felt familiar, like home, and I fell in love. I can't fully explain it. I've never loved a show like I love this show. I've been telling everyone to watch it. Lift drivers, people at jury duty, coworkers, long distance friends, everybody I can, because I know how TV works. I know that a show like this has a snowball's chance, but it was just so good. This show is about regular people and alchemy and pools and Long Beach 
and late-stage capitalism and wounds that don't heal, sorry, wounds that don't heal right, and sharks, and Hewell Hauser, and being drawn to the things that scare other people, and hoping and trying, and it got canceled without a third season, without an ending. I wasn't shocked, but I was sad. Then I got really, really sad thinking about the possibility that I may never see Dud become a knight, because he needs to, and because I need to see it. Because, holy crap, I've been waiting for that scene between him and Ernie in the last episode of season two for my entire TV watching life. He knew he wasn't ready and he voiced that. I've never seen a character do that, but I've been there. I've done that in real life. I felt it. But in the wake of cancellation, fans, crew, staff, and wonderfully random famous people are hoping and trying. It's a weird feeling to fall back in love and then to find myself hoping or even trusting that somewhere in Los Angeles, or wherever he is, Paul Giamatti is doing his absolute damnedest to get this story a new home. And the beating heart of this show is that life is hard, but it is also magical. The beautiful things break our hearts, and it will always feel this way, but that's the deal. Wow. So I can't really rant, can I? Instead, I can be loud, and I can love this story and these characters, and I can believe in Paul Giamatti and the power of a deus ex machina, Tom Hanks bit of support, and hope that there's a door somewhere that opens at just the right time. May all our junk cars run out of gas right when they are meant to. Wow. So we all thought that was awesome. And yeah, so many shared feelings and just love the way she expressed that. Yeah, she really nailed it. And there's one thing I wanted to add, just because... I don't know about you guys or people who might be listening to this who aren't from Southern California or haven't lived there, um, but Hewell Hauser, so just, just to back up a little bit, the Hewell Hauser reference was in, um, and there may have possibly have been more than one on the, on, on the series. I, I, the one that I remember and just went back and watched was um, season two, episode two, when that creepy yoga bro, Bobby, is hanging around in the apartment because <laughs> he's boning Liz. Liz is boning him. They're watching this show, and he goes, who is this kook, and why is he talking to all these losers? And Liz and Doug get so mad, and she goes, do the words California's gold mean nothing to you? And then Doug goes, Hewell Hauser, the man! And uh, they're both very upset with Bobby. So Hewell Hauser was this guy who, he died in 2013. He was a reporter, and... Like, when I was a kid, he was on CBS, and then he moved over to a PBS station. And uh, he was from Tennessee. He had the southern accent. And he always did these human interest stories that, you know, were kind of uplifting and sort of, like, he was really connected with people. And he went around the state. He this show, California's Gold, which came later. Like, go around the state, just, like, so kind of a travel show, kind of human interest, like, showing here's all the things that are going on in California and the great people that I'm encountering just going around, just going around the state. He was just like a nice, upbeat guy, you know? So in a way, um, he was always trying to show, you know, the good side of things. And in a way, that's kind of like Lodge 49, I think. I found this video that he did where he was looking back on his first 10 years or so of doing that show California's Gold. And he said his goal in the beginning was to uncover a vast treasure, untapped, unmined treasure of California stories. And I was like, oh, it, you know, in a way, that's in common with, you know, what Lodge 49 is doing. <laughs> um, untapped treasure of California stories. 
Anyway, so that sorry, I just wanted to throw that in there. Uh, that's a great gem. I mean, those are like the little nuggets. I mean, when when I read that, I didn't remember that part. I didn't I didn't remember remember the reference, and I definitely didn't remember it with that whole Bobby scene. Um, probably because I didn't really know what to make of it, really. But mm-hmm. um, now that you mention it like that, it, it does seem very intentional uh, usage. I mean, like a lot of things in in the show that are so great, it can work in both levels because they're both like from that part of California where it would be for something for them to say. But like you say, you know, if that's what that guy is about, I mean, that's what the show's about, right? Yeah. yeah. Good one, Jim. Yeah. So then just again, just Val, thank you so much for that contribution and, and for expressing your feelings about the show in that awesome way. Now, Jim, you've been doing some writing. Do you want to give uh, the, the listenership a little pitch if anyone wants to uh, learn more about your writing? Well, I have. I've written this essay about why Lodge 49 is essential viewing and should be able to continue its story and just kind of why, you know, some reasons why people should be into it. I've, I've sent it somewhere. I'm not going to say where, just to see if they're interested. And if they're not, I'll try a couple other places. But... You know, we've talked a lot about the, and as, as Val mentioned there, the late-stage capitalism angle and just sort of the, the working-class struggles for a lot of the characters. And that's, that's kind of the, the tack I took. Anyone who wants to see more depictions of working-class people that are empathetic and also not patronizing, you know, should value the show and should be championing, championing this show. So, you know, we'll see where I get with that. Well, that sounds like, uh, hey, if you're a big publisher out there and want to reach out to us, uh, and you want to publish it, let us know. You can reach out to us, and we'll we'll get you in touch with, with Jim. Um, and he probably has a few more into him, in him as well. So if anyone wants to hire Jim for a series of articles, <laughs> there you go. Well, I wanted to bring up Middleman for everybody who's missing the show. A really good thing you can do is pick up the book and start reading it because there's so many little bits of the show throughout the book and it's you know it's it's an example of his writing but also there's just so many Jim little Gavin. Jim yeah stuff that Jim Gavin you know wrote in the middleman that he then went on to use in Lodge 49 so if you're jonesing for the show it's I mean it's it's a wonderful book anyway but it's definitely will get you because I was I read the last two stories first and then I went back and read it and then I was going to give it to you and then I wanted to reread the last two stories again and that's when I kind of remembered how many, there were so many little details from the show in there. So it's just, I don't know, it's it's very comforting if you're jonesing for the show to go ahead and pick up the book. And uh, you feel like you get a like a sort of a, almost like a behind the scenes or like the DVD extras or something, you know, for Lodge 49. All right, great suggestion. All right, well, Val's wasn't the only fan commentary that we got in. We also uh, got some audio messages we also asked for it that way that we're going to play now for you um one is jeff ritzman ritzman i'm not sure how to pronounce that with the double n at the end does anyone know does that make it a hard a it's probably probably ritzman ritzman all right uh we talked about jeff and his amazing art um and all the amazing fan art of hashtag save lodge 49 but he also sent us a audio commentary and we also had two podcasters one, we have J.B. Mitten from the Red Room Podcast. Many of you probably listened to some of their interviews with some of the actors on the show. It's a great podcast about uh, TV and movie generally, but they've done a lot of focus on Pod 49. Uh, Lodge sorry, 49. Lodge 49. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then we also had one from, uh, let me just make sure I have the name, right, Cheryl Jones, who's also hosts a podcast called Movies Made Me. So our podcasting uh, family jumped in and said, let me get that audio up in there. I asked for promos for both, and I was, and they didn't have them. And I was like, well, that's a missed opportunity. I'm like, why don't they have them? And I'm like, oh, we never made one for us either. So. Yeah, we don't have <laughs> so, so, but here, here is their commentary, and uh, we'll be back hopefully with a couple more shows, hopefully with many more shows. Hello, friends at Pod49. This is J.B. Minton from the Red Room Podcast and author of A Skeleton Key to Twin Peaks. As you know, we are also huge fans of Lodge 49 at Red Room Podcast, and we are devastated by AMC's myopic decision to cancel what is arguably the best television show on their network since Breaking Bad. So what are we going to do about it? Well, we're going to continue to support these artists, these actors, writers, producers, and the creators of the show by continuing our pressure to find Lodge 49 a home. And we should be doing this through social media, writing critical analyses, books, fan art, and the old-fashioned letters to the network. Hulu, Netflix, YouTube Red, Showtime, on and on. The internet has brought some true innovation potential for getting these visual stories out to an audience of rabid fans like us who are just begging for art and their entertainment. So one final note of gratitude for this show is that it has reintroduced me to Thomas Pynchon. Now after reading The Crying of Lot 49, sounds familiar, Lot 49, in college a thousand years ago, you know, I've purchased over the years all of Pynchon's novels and Lodge 49 has re-inspired me to accomplish one of my literary life goals of working my way through all of Thomas Pynchon's novels, which are, like Lodge 49, deeply complex, mysterious, filled with hilarious characters and just an outright funny, 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 funny set of novels. So thank you, Pod49, for the incredible work that you've all been doing, keeping the flame lit for this great show that we love. Let's just hope it's just a longer pause between seasons than we were hoping for. The True Lodge has yet to reveal itself. Hey everyone, I'm Cheryl Jones, host of Movies Made Me, available everywhere you listen to podcasts. I'm really thankful to the guys at Pod49 for giving us all this opportunity to talk about how we feel while Lodge 49 is in this place of uncertainty. I've got to say that Lodge 49, unlike any show I've ever watched, has made me feel like I'm not alone when I watch it. The things that it expresses are so meaningful and I take this show into my therapy sessions every week and I talk about how it mirrors my life in really kind of amazing ways and it expresses feelings that I haven't had the words to express, but somehow they've found a way to express them, not just in words, but visually. And it's really helped me a lot with opening up in therapy. And that's something really unique in a TV show. The cast and crew and fellow fans have all been amazing on Twitter. It's created a sense of family and community around the show that I really treasure. The guys at Pod 49, the amazing Jeff Ritzman and his graphics, and the cast members, especially Eric Allen Kramer and David Pescazi, have created so much joy for me online that I'm really grateful for it. And I'm really, it makes me feel so connected to this show. Lodge 49 is a beautiful place of hope and joy and sadness and togetherness. While so many shows out there expose the worst of what makes us human, 
Lodge 49 exposes the very best of what keeps us human. So please, whoever is out there listening, please save Lodge 49. I need this show. We all need this show. It's a really great program. Somebody's got to want this show. It's got a built-in fan base, and the fans are fantastic. So uh, thanks for listening, and uh, thanks again, guys at Pod49, for giving us all the chance to do this. And uh, here's hoping. Thanks. Hello, Pod49. It's Jeff Ritzman here, Darth Jeff R. on Twitter. And I suppose you're feeling like, well, the rest of us tonight, which is (laughs) profoundly sad, disappointed. It's heartbroken, kind of a trite word. I don't care. Yes, heartbroken uh, doesn't quite describe it, does it? And, um, And I know this is supposed to be a rant, but I believe that what you think about, you bring about. And so I would encourage everyone to know, not think, not hope, not wish for, but know that Lodge 49 is going to find a home with a Netflix, a Hulu, a Disney Plus, an Apple, a whatever. It doesn't matter uh, what network it is. It would be nice if it was a big one, right? So it's going to find a home, and it's going to happen. And you can have no doubt, because it has to, right? It has to. And good things happen to good people. And so um, I know from interacting with, I think, most of the cast at this point on social media, and uh, and you guys, of course, have interacted with these folks uh, through audio. They're good people. And I can't say enough about how good they are because not only did the show really inspire me to do something different with my own creative works, it uh, fundamentally changed how I work. I should just come out and say it that way. When you've got a cast and a crew and writers and directors who encourage you to keep going, I mean, that means everything. And it meant everything to me. So I, I thank everybody from, you know, Linda and Eric and Sonia and David and Olivia and Kara and Britt and Celia and Sam and you know, Carol Cutshaw and Nina and, you know, Bertilla and, and Susie. And I just, I mean, I know I'm forgetting somebody at Atkins. Uh, I, everybody was very encouraging to all their fans. And I don't think you can say enough about people who do that because that just doesn't always happen. I have no doubt that this is going to continue. And so uh, stay primed and please, for the love of everything holy and mystical, hashtag, Save Lodge 49. Hashtag Save the Lodge. I mean, set it on fire, people, right? This can fundamentally change uh, where the show goes and who picks it up and who takes notice. And right now they need to take notice because it's all too good to just let it go just like that. Uh, This is not, as I said on Twitter today, this is not just a show. This has inspired all sorts of art and discussion and meeting people. I've met the most the, most, the greatest people I've met uh, through my love of this program. And uh, so it's built this amazing community on social media and elsewhere, uh, like you guys are doing with the podcast. I mean, there you are. It's just amazing, and it's so much more than just a show. So show your support, please, and uh, let's find this thing a home because it needs it and it deserves it. As above, so below, fellas. Have a good one. Keep your chins up. Until then, see you at band night.